Hey there, Strong Mom. Welcome to the Mom's New Strong Show, a show that inspires, educates, and motivates you to ditch the weight loss and fitness drama and create a fit and healthy lifestyle that you love, all centered around down-to-earth and practical solutions that will leave you feeling inspired and ready to take action. I'm your host, Jessica May, fitness and nutrition coach, hot mess mama too, a recovering perfectionist, and a lover of all things sprinkles and Mexican food. I'm also a woman on a mission to help you strengthen your body and mind so that you can be the best version of yourself. Ready to unleash your inner and outer strong mom? Let's get started. Hey, Strong Moms. Welcome back to another episode. And today I have something really special for you. I have my first guest on the podcast and I'm so excited. And her name is Christina Lynn and she's actually a financial advisor for moms. And I'm going to let her kind of explain her story. She has a very empowering story of uh, how she got to be where she is today. So, hey, Christina, thanks for, for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm really honored to be here um, with you and your listeners. Awesome. So can you, um, I guess, introduce yourself? I know, you, uh, you know, most of our listeners, my listeners are moms. I know you're a mom and you have a, a really good background story of uh, what, how you even became a financial advisor. So kind of like share that journey with us a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So I, I'm a single mom. My kids are 10 and 11 really enjoying this stage of life with them. Um, I work full-time. I'm also um, a full-time PhD student. So I have, it's busy life, but um, it's great. I'm really, I'm enjoying it. And how I came to be a financial planner was I, I was a stay at home mom for six years. And then I went through a tough divorce and I had to decide what I wanted to do with, you know, going back and, and starting a career from scratch. So I looked at like my personality strengths. Um, and it it turns out that, you know, financial planning is really suitable to my personality. And my, I had a, just a really unique experience with, um, my, you know, being married and not being really a part of the family finances. I didn't really understand what was going on. I didn't, I really had no clue. So I really understood, you know, kind of both sides of the coin. I understood where a lot of moms are at in that, you know, they're focused on their children and, um, you know, maybe they're managing like, you know, the grocery budget, but they really don't understand maybe like the bigger picture of, you know, what are we saving for retirement? What are our investments? What are, what's our net worth? You know, what, like the bigger picture. Um, So I understood that a little bit being in the dark or having more of a backseat, but I'm really naturally good at planning and budgeting and and planning for the future. Um, And so couple that, that coupled with like serious study, I got my master's in financial planning. Now I'm getting my PhD in financial planning. Um, I have my certified financial planner, accredited financial counselor. So just a lot of study. Um, I understand like the, the more of like the science behind it as well. So I, you know, my passion is bridging those two getting moms to be empowered with their finances, um, but bringing it to a level that they can understand because maybe they're just not as interested in like the kind of getting under the hood and really understanding like the, 
um, the details of investments and, and like the money world, but really they need to know the basics. So that is, you know, what I'm here for is to bridge that gap. That's awesome. And I will attest that, yes, I am that mom that's like, I'm not good with, or I say I'm not good with finances, you know, uh, math wasn't my strong point. So I am just as interested to hear what you say today, because I know that's going to even help me and, you know, kind of going in that route, you know, why do you think it's important for, you know, whether you're a single mom or you're a stay at home mom to, you know, be financially savvy. Cause I mean, even as a stay at home mom, my husband's the one that makes the majority of the money. And it's like, you know, at that point it's like how much, you know, why is it important for, for all moms, you know, to just know more about that. Oh, you hit on a lot of great points. Um, I'm going to back up and, and... It's like, I know that was kind of loaded, so just... <laughs> oh, so good. Um, I just, I'm going to pick it apart piece by piece. Not, oh, that sounds like I'm... <laughs> that sounds bad, but you have a lot of great points there. One, you said math isn't my strong suit and like I'm not really you know that involved or I'm not good at it. I always make a point to stop moms when they say things like that because... That's really like a mindset that sh- uh, mindset that we have created for ourselves, and that's not necessarily true. Like I, I really bet that you are better with numbers than you think. I think we just we have this narrative where we tell ourselves that we're not good at it, and that's not the truth. I think a lot of it is fear of the unknown. Like we don't really understand how things should look what we need to look at. But once you go through an educational process of like just being taught the basics or being shown the basics, you can totally grasp this and understand it without having like a, um, you know, intense knowledge of the subject. So I just wanted to point that out that if you're saying that about yourself, watch your words because you don't want to speak that over yourself. Um, Say like, Instead, you could say, you know, I want to get better at this. Like, you know, it's not really my strong suit now, but I know I could be good at it. Um, So anyway, now let's go to the point about, um, you know, why it's important for moms to understand what's going on in their finances. I think, I mean, statistics show that it's the male, it's the husband that is more of the breadwinner. That's not always the case, but I'm sure a lot of you out there, your husband makes more than you do. And that's, that's normal. Not always the case, of, of course, but um, in general, women feel like, not that they need to take a back seat, but they're not the ones that have like 100% ownership of that income coming in. So they're feeling like, well, really it's them that should be kind of making the decisions because really they're the one earning it or they feel funny asking questions because they don't want to be nosy or feel control or like come across as controlling. Um, so I'm here to just spread this message that like look at it more as a, as like a business um, arrangement rather than it be being so relational because um, you're doing half of the work in the marriage. It just doesn't happen to be the part where you're earning the wage, you're earning the income. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a voice, that you can't make decisions, that you shouldn't be like 
um, knowledgeable about what's going on. So I just wanted to point that off, um, point that out that you can, you can, um, be, understand what's going on without like wearing the pants in the financial relationship, if that makes sense. Um, you know, and it can be really helpful to your husband, um, to be more active in like that money management role because he's got a full plate and he doesn't necessarily understand all of the expenses that go on in a family. Like I, I, I hear a lot from my clients that, you know, they're, their husband, they're busy at work and they just don't understand like really like all the piano dance, all the groceries, the, you know, the medical expenses. There's just so many things that we pay for as moms that kind of goes unnoticed. Like a lot of our time goes unnoticed because we're not on the clock. Um, and so my point with that is like, if you take a more active management role with, you know, some of those expenses, it's really going to be helpful to your marriage. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, uh, I wanted to point that out that we as moms can be like, we can really help the marriage relationship by taking a more, um, active and knowledgeable role in the family finances. I totally agree. I think that's a, that's some really good points because, you know, going back to me being a stay at home mom, like that's how I feel, you know, some of that. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that from other moms. So that was like perfect hit on all those points. And, um, so, and that also, I think answered my next question, which was, I was going to ask you, why do you think it's intimidating to moms? And I think, uh, you just kind of nailed that already <laughs> on the head of how it can be intimidating, you know? Um, it is. Yeah. Um, and every marriage is different. And so sometimes it's really healthy and sometimes it's not healthy, but I think it just starts with a conversation. Maybe like both of you, both the, you and your husband, like have never really addressed it in like a kind of like a, um, in a helpful conversation or progressive conversation. You've just like never really thought it out. It, maybe it just, like the roles just fell into place as life went by. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's, yeah. And so that's a good question. Like how would say that there's a mom listening to this and she's just like, um, wants to have more, I guess, skin in the game when it comes to the financial part and really make it that co-ownership with her husband. Like how would that conversation look like? Cause I'm pretty sure you, you coach women through that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a great question. So, um, I'm just looking up a book because there is a really good book that I think would help um, kind of um, hold on one second. There we go. So there is a book called eight dates by John Gottman. He is um, PhD. He, oops, sorry. Um, He has his PhD. He is in private practice. However, um, he is an active researcher, like a um, really a pioneer in marriage psychology. And he, in this date, eight dates, it walks you through how to have like a, a help, happy, thriving, and lasting relationship in marriage. And part of it, it sets you up for these conversations about finance. I think it almost helps to have a script to follow that. So it, it removes like the, like the, 
um, it coming from your voice. You're just following almost like a workbook, like, oh, here's the question. I'll give my answer. You give your answer and let's compare and then find a compromise. So I do recommend something like that to follow if you are interested in like maybe, you know, not shaking it up, but just addressing your financial relationship with your husband. I think that that's really helpful. Um, but you know, just basics, if you don't want to purchase a a book and follow like a, a more formal plan like that, you know, just start asking questions like, Hey honey, can I, can I look at the, what we have for investments? I'm just, I want to learn about it. So, um, show me where that comes in. I want, I want to look at it. Um, you can also just, I think one of the most important parts is just understanding how much money you have coming in and where it's going out. And that's going to lead us into the budget conversation, but it's so basic, but that's that empowering foundation that I think a lot of us moms are missing. Um, You know, we're just looking at kind of what the balance is in our checking account. Oh, do we have enough money to purchase this? Or like, do we need to push that off till next month? But if you start looking at it with like a bigger lens, like, okay, let's look at how much we have to have coming in each month and what we need to be spending each month for sure. Like what are our fixed costs? And then after that, those are more like discretionary things that, and that's where it's easier to budget with are those discretionary um, things. So um, setting, not even setting the budget that we haven't even gotten to that point, but really just understanding where the money is coming in and where it's going out. Perfect. I think that is um, definitely leading into great, great ending to lead in the next question I had, which was, we all know holidays are coming up, you know, Thanksgiving, we're, we're recording this the week before Thanksgiving, you know, and um, what are some money sucking things that moms can work on this holiday season to, you know, free up some of that extra money to use, you know, towards the holidays and then, you know, even carrying that on into the new year to, to have a better financial year. Oh, great question. I have a lot of ideas on this one because <laughs> for it. we, it's the, this is the season that we spend the most money. This and back to school shopping, we, people put down a lot of money during the Christmas season. And so um, I have a couple of thoughts for going into the shopping s- season and the most important one is to avoid impulse purchases. It is crazy how good they are at marketing. Retailers are at marketing. You go and go into a store, even online, and you just like get like those, uh, the emoji with the heart eyes. Like you see, you like lose sense with reality and just get caught up in the good deal. And you buy things that don't even really like make sense that you didn't really need or, um, we're planning on buying. So my, my tip is to be intentional about, um, how you go about Christmas shopping, make a list out of who you need to buy presents for the ideas of what you want to purchase for these people, set a limit on that. And then if the, the black Friday deal or the Christmas sale deal doesn't fit within those parameters, do not buy it. Stick to the list. Um, And then I think it's also just like helpful to recognize the social pressures around Christmas. Like if you get a gift from your neighbor or your boss, like do you feel the social pressure to buy a gift in exchange um, or like in return? 
And, and if so, do you need to spend as much money as they spent on you? You know, all those things are happening and we don't, we're not really like, you know, thinking them through properly. We're just doing what we feel obligated. (laughs) I know. No, I'm not, I'm not saying justify. I'm saying that's why we feel like, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. You feel obligated. Yes. (laughs) And you know, when you stop it and you think about it more strategically, like, does it make sense? Can you receive a gift without giving one in return? And I'm not giving the answer there, but I'm just saying, think about it because you need to be realistic about how much money you can spend. If you're spending money on a credit card that you know for sure you cannot pay off, um, don't be buying those Christmas presents, you know, like, or find, I have some tips on how to cut costs for Christmas. But that my point with that one is just be, you know, aware of that, of, of how much you can spend without putting a burden on you financially, because come the new year, you're going to see that credit card balance and you're going to be stressed out. And, and that's a good point. Um, me and my husband have talked about that of like, cause I have friends where they do vacations instead. So don't buy presents. They do vacations and you, and you don't have to go and do extravagant vacation, you know, and really just focusing on what is the se- reason of the season, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's a beautiful thing to like instill in your children as they get older, that it's not all centered around just gifts. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great idea too. you know, having kind of like a Christmas theme that you follow or like a tradition. Um, it also kind of gets you off the hook of buying all these like little presents for everyone. If you kind of have like a theme that you follow every year. So if you don't have one, maybe it's time to make one up. Um, but I have some ideas for cutting costs this Christmas, if you want to hear it. Yes, I definitely do. Okay. And so it makes it sound a little bit like I'm a Scrooge and I'm not, but I just, I recognize that we tend to overspend at Christmas. And so I want you to enjoy like the season um, and be merry. And I want you to stay within your budget. So that's where these tips are coming from. So of course, the most simple one is make a budget for your Christmas shopping. Um, I've already mentioned that one, but that is worth repeating. Uh, And include the costs for food and decor. I think a lot of times we don't like think about that and we spend a lot more on that in this month um, than other months. Um, Also communicate with your family. Every family is different. Every, you know, friendship is different, but talk about if, if it's conducive to open communication, think about setting spending limits. I do that with my family. Like we kind of touch base around before Thanksgiving time and we're just like, okay, how's everyone doing with, you know, budgets this year? You know, what, what do y'all want to spend on each other? Um, I think that that's really helpful. Of course, not all families, you know, you can do that, but um, also think about um, if you don't want to buy presents for everyone in the family, um, and I'm, I'm not really talking about your kids. I'm talking more like extended family. Um, consider drawing names out of a hat. So you're only buying them for, you know, certain people. Um, we also, in my family, when budgets have been di- tight, we've only given um, gifts to the kids. And then we skip like the sibling generation. So we buy, my sisters and I buy presents for my parents and then the kids, but then the husbands and the the, the 
you know, our generation gets skipped. And that's like sad, um, of course, but it's a way to cut back if, if it's one of those years that are, is really tight. Yeah, my family, that's what we do. So I can totally relate to that. Okay. <laughs> you okay. Want, it's but you get the joy of the kids getting the yeah. gifts, like really, honestly. Yeah, and that's what's really most important. Um, but you know, I love gifts too, so it is a little bit sad. But you know, that's where it, it comes back to being realistic about how much money you can spend. Um and then also think about giving non-material gifts. Um like if you if you're in the stage where you have younger kids, um, you know, you can offer like um an overnight to your sister or brother who has kids like, Hey, I'll watch your kids overnight. So you guys can go on a date or, you know, like a mini vacation, um, for a weekend that is more valuable than uh, any. I will agree on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely agree on that one. <laughs> oh, um, and one other non-material thing that like I am good at that I sometimes give to my family is closet organizing, like your clothes. I can go through, um, it's kind of fun. Like I have them try on clothes and then if I, if I'm like that is, that needs to go. So you sort out your closet and you can also give them ideas of like what goes together. So if you're good at like organizing and fashion, you know, that could be something, maybe you're good at something else, but those are just ideas for non-material things. Um, I love that because that's kind of bonding too. Like you end up bonding throughout the experience. It's <laughs> like, that's fun. Cool. Yeah, it is. I, I enjoy it. Um, it's, it is fun. And they really appreciate it too because you're like you're using your like skill, which is, you know, it's more valuable than like a $50 present really. Um, but anyway, and then one other really good tip I love is, do you know that the five love, love languages? Have yes, you heard of I that? Do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think that that is so helpful to know um, for your loved ones and you can give gifts according to their love language. So like if they're, if their love language is not gifts, you know, they're, a different type of gift. I mean, you still want to give them something, but you don't necessarily need to go spend a lot of money at a store or online. Something, you know, like, you know, the non-material things like the the weekend um, might be much more valuable to them, even if you spent a lot of money on a fancy gift. Um, I completely so, agree on that because mine is acts of service and gifts is at the bottom of my list. And I rather get, you know, those, like you yeah. said, when you said the weekend, I was like, that is like the best idea ever as a gift for a mom, you know? Yes. <laughs> really. And like, um, another one, I had kind of some ideas written down and the acts of service I had, even for like between husband and wife, you know, if you're an acts of service person, your husband can gift you that like, um, what, what do you call, I don't have a husband, so I don't have one of these lists, honeydew lists, like yeah. something on your honeydew list, you know, that you've been waiting forever to get done. How valuable would that be to like, say, I'm going to get this done by the end of January or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's just in, in bettering the marriage because I'm like, there's nothing more sexy than a man that does an act of service for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's right. So, you know what? put some thought into what each other's love language is and get creative because 
holy buckets, we can, we could be saving hundreds of dollars, people. And then you can put it in a Roth IRA and get rich. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, um, and then the last thing that I was going to suggest that my mom did for us when we were kids is, um, you know, stocking stuffers, they can get really expensive. Like, you know, all the stuff that you put in them. My mom always put in there like personal hygiene products, like toothpaste, toothbrush, deodorant, things that you're going to have to buy your kids anyway, but like it fills up a stocking and it's kind of like fun to get all at once um, in the little pretty boxes. So that's just one other quick idea for you. Yeah, those, those are good. Those are good. Yeah. You're especially, I feel like as the kids get older, it gets more expensive or can be, you know what they ask yeah. for. <laughs> so that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So right. now that we kind of covered that, what I also, another thing that I really wanted to ask you about, and I watched some of your YouTube videos on and they were great is food budgeting. <laughs> Cause I hear this yeah. a lot. I, you know, I'm a nutritionist and, and I, when I work with moms, it's kind of like that comes up. Well, it's expensive. You know, eating healthy is expensive. Food in general is expensive. And I agree it can be, but I'll let you kind of take the lead. Cause I like what you have to say about food budgeting from what I've heard <laughs> so far. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is, so this one is important to me because the, the budgeting conversation is big. Um, but like I said, where you start with a budgeting conversation is like you look at your fixed expenses. So like how much are you spending in rent and electricity and cell phone bills, things like that, that you can't, like you can amend those, but those are harder to amend. And those are like bigger life changes. So you kind of get those off the plate and worry about those later. And then what it boils down to are some of like the bigger, the, um, the big two categories left after those are, um, like entertainment, like, you know, going to concerts, buying clothes, things like that. And then the second category is food. And the, so this is just one of those kind of big ticket budgeting categories. People spend a lot of money on food. Um, so let's see the, it's 10.5% on average of pre-tax income. And um, in terms of numbers, the average household spends um, $4,363 a year on food. Um, and get this, almost half of that is spent going out to eat. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Yeah. Not that, that is, not food isn't even cheap anymore half the time. No, yeah. it's not. It's not. Yeah. My poor kids, like when we go out to eat, I'm like, okay, get out of the dollar menu. <laughs> poor, poor kids. Um, but anyway, that that is a lot of money that we're spending on food. So how how much money or how often are you going out to eat? And then think of that. Half of your budget is almost going to like that, those few times per month versus the rest of the time you're feeding yourself from what you buy at the grocery store that make up the rest of that half of your budget. But it's just crazy. So I think when you start to look at it from more of like the numbers side of things, it empowers you and maybe encourages you to eat out less and try to, you know, be more intentional about, um, 
you know, what you're buying at the grocery store and making sure that you're eating that food. Um, so that's the first point part is just being aware of how much you're spending going out to eat. And quick question, Christina, now that I thought about it, cause I'm like thinking about what, like, this just popped up. Like, what if you're somebody that's never budgeted? Is there like certain app or something? Like I've heard of mint.com before. Like, is there any ones that you recommend where it'll help you to break down to see where these expenses are coming from every month? Yeah, you bet. So mint.com is free. Um, and you just link it to, it's pretty cool. You can actually like look at your whole net worth there. Cause you, you link in your bank accounts and retirement accounts and, and everything. And it shows you all of your purchases and it categorizes them. You have to kind of teach it. So it does take some like manual entries, but it's a pretty nice free tool. Um, one that is really popular in the budget world is, um, it's called YNAB. You need a budget. That one costs money. Um, but it's very popular with people who are like budgeting nerds. Um, so if, if you want to get serious about it, it's worth checking out. Um, I think that that is helpful. It kind of depends on like how, um, let's see, like how, adept you are at using technology. I, for myself, I find myself like maybe every other month kind of like remembering, oh yeah, mint.com. I want to go and see kind of where I'm at. But, um, I feel like what's a little bit more effective for me is like, um, I have a grocery account. Like it's, it's an actual like checking account. Oh, that's so and, good idea. Yeah. And then like when, I mean, I see my balance there cause it, I have a debit card attached to it. So I put in my monthly grocery amount. And so when I get getting towards the end, you know, like I just have to adjust how I'm grocery shopping and then the next month it gets refilled. So I, I just have built in parameters. Like I can't spend more than this on groceries because I don't have any more money in the account. Um, that works better for me than, than it, it has been looking at mint.com, but there is no right or wrong answer to this. Like whatever works for you. I think that is amazing. I never thought about that. And it makes so much sense. Cause I feel like when you do like the mint.com, that's more like being, it's not being proactive. It's like, you're already kind of looking at it after the fact. <laughs> so yeah, It's kind of harder, but I love that idea. That's a great yeah, idea. It is, you know, the mint.com is it's help. What it's helpful for is like really understanding where your money is going at. We've talked about that a lot. So you can at least, yes, it's looking retroactively, but at least it shows you how much you have been spending in these categories. And then it empowers you because you know now where you want to shift and where you want to make changes. So it is helpful to look back, um, but you're right, kind of moving forward. For me, it works best to kind of almost like you you have handcuffs on, <laughs> you know, like um, that sounds not it so It doesn't, but pleasant. it's so simple. And that's what I always find works, the simple things, mm -hmm. like keeping mm -hmm. it simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, give, let's talk more about food ideas for mm -hmm. reining in the cost. One of my favorite tips for that is um, buying groceries online. It's not because they you get better deals online. Um, it's because of the tools that you use in your cart. 
So as you're, you can do this, um, like on the website, other ones have apps. And as you are, um, adding the, the grocery items to your cart, you see a running total. And then you, so, you know, this morning I actually just did this. And so I saw my total was $75. So I just know like, Oh, okay. I have $300 left in my monthly, um, grocery account. And now $75 is being taken out after this purchase. So that means like I have, you know, the rest remaining for the rest of my, my monthly period. So it really helps to know how much you're going to be spending before you actually like push pay now, because when you're going to the grocery store and just putting things in your cart, you have no idea what the total is going to yeah, be. Especially when you bring your kids and your husband. I'm a big fan of curbside pickup because of that. For one, it's like, let me save myself the stress of taking them there. And then they yes. do. And I end up like, and you, you try to guesstimate how much the cart is and you're never right. <laughs> like it's just Never, just- <laughs> never right. It is, that's like, that's like the game of where you have to je- guess how many jelly be beans show, are in yeah. the jar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hardest thing ever. And then like, if you do, if you set a budget for yourself, um, and you're like, okay, I don't want to go over a hundred dollars in this trip. Um, and then, you, you know, you go and you're at the checkout line and it comes up to 130. How likely are you to like say, Oh, let me put this back yeah, after they've been scanned and everything. Yeah. Put it back. Right. <laughs> so embarrassing that's humiliating so nobody will ever do that (laughs) so but in your cart online if you're doing it on an app it's so easy to just say delete or some of them allow you to like save it for the next month um for some of those things that are like oh I really want to get this um but it just doesn't fit my budget this month I'll, I'll get it next month so um I love that tip yeah, I have to agree on that. That makes my life so much easier. <laughs> yeah. I, I know we're kind of getting to the end of our time. I'll just throw okay. out my last two, um, the last three tips quick. This one's such a no-brainer, but pack a lunch to work. I mean, the average cost of lunch is around $11 um, wow. per lunch. So you can just imagine how much money you're going to save. You know, I think that the average uh, they say on packing your own is is $6.30. For me, if I'm packing a lunch, it's like $1.50. So I was like easily two to three bucks right there. I could do that. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you know, and that seems so trivial, like $11 versus $3. But when we're talking every day of the week, that's a lot of money. It adds um, up. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if you're not pinching pennies, if you, if you make a lot of money, this is not for you. you. You have a different kind of like goal that you need to pursue. But for those of us that, you know, are kind of watching where our dollars are going. Well, it also saves money because I'm a big fan of meal prepping. So think about if you, how much more work and be more productive. Say if that's your in, in point and it's not a money thing, you can get way, be more way productive if you bring your lunch versus having to spend that hour fighting the lines, getting, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. That goes with that. Yeah. Meal planning. Bless your heart. I am so proud of you for doing that. I, that is not my strong suit, but I know people who are just very successful at that and it's, it's healthier 
and it saves you a lot of um, money because like you're uh, you're not going out to eat of course and you're also using your ingredients like more strategically and so you're there's a lot less waste I mean how much money are we throwing out in food every week from spoiled food Um, I don't know everyone's different. Especially because we have the intention, oh, I'm going to eat healthy this week. So I'm just going to go buy a bunch of vegetables without having a plan for it. Well, yeah, they're just Mm going to sit and rot most of the time. (laughs) Right. All right. They're going to all reach out to you for meal planning tips. I love it. Um, And that's, that's it. I think, um, yeah, eat eat at home more. Plus you'll Mm -hmm. have, have better quality time with your kids. Yeah, set some good rituals around eating family dinners, like and trying new things. Like I think it's fun. I I have my kids help me. I have a three year old and a five year old, and help have them help me, and hope and, and the hopes of that they'll eat it more. You know, if they they happen. Oh, to have sure. <laughs> my hopes is that I don't have to do it someday. Like they'll cook for me. <laughs> that is actually, you know, that is legit. I have uh, people that told me that, like you know, later on, and I'm, you know. I'm like, yes, eventually, that's the goal. Eventually, they're going to cook a dinner once a week for me or something, you know? That would be amazing. I would say, hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like nowadays, like, kids don't really know how to cook. Like, I have younger, you know, people in the family, and they're like, how do I make, like, something from a box? (laughs) I know. I went to college, and I remember the people that I I lived with, one didn't know how to... um, like boil water. Oh, and the wow. other, I know. And the other didn't know how to like bake a pizza because he didn't know how to turn an oven on. I'm like, oh my God. You're setting your kids up for life. So especially if you have a son, think of how impressive that will be later. Oh, <laughs> like, I know. You know, yeah. to cook a dinner or a date or something. I know. Make your, make your kids into good potential partners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and save money. <laughs> right. <laughs> throw that in there, but like for real, and have that bonding experience too. I think with your kids. But man, yeah, this has been awesome. I don't think I could have asked for like a better first interview. So I so appreciate oh. being on here. And like I've learned a lot. I like just the piece of like having a separate account for for money. I'm like that is so simple. But why the heck did I never think of that? Because it makes no. You know, one more tip on that. So look at your bank to see if they offer like um, checking accounts that don't have minimums and don't have fees. Cause you need to get with a bank that like has no minimum and has no fee. Cause otherwise that like a small co- account like that is, is not going to be efficient for you. Um, but a lot of these like online banks or credit unions, they'll be um, really conducive to that sort of thing. And so you can, even though they're kind of, they kind of wonder like, why do you have so many accounts? There's no law against it. So like you can get multiple accounts for different things like groceries, or I have one from, you know, paying, um, my, my house insurance at the end of the year. So, um, just check into that. It is worth it. That is so neat. Yeah. That's, that was like the golden thing. <laughs> the whole interview. Yeah, that's good. So good. <laughs> Um, so if you could, before, um, uh, we're going to wrap things up, but what is one last thing you want to, is there anything else you feel like you want to say some, some last parting words, maybe some, something motivational <laughs> for moms that when yeah. I really, this? I, I'm going to like circle back to what we talked about in our, like in the very intro in that, um, if you are a mom 
um, you can absolutely be a great money manager and it's really going to be healthy for your marriage and for your kids and you personally. So, you know, wherever you're at, whether you know nothing about numbers, nothing about money, or you know a lot, I just encourage you to be up to the challenge um, to learning more because you're going to feel so great and so empowered if, if you decide that you want to, you know, level up in that way. Perfect. I think that was great to end on that note. So once again, Christina, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and being the first interviewer or person on there. I know we did it. I'm so honored. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Well, you have a lovely day. You too. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. Have fun shopping. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Especially with all these tips. I can't wait to implement them. (laughs) Yay. Okay. All right. See ya. Bye. Hey mom, are you struggling to consistently eat healthy? Are you doing good like the beginning of the week until about Wednesday, Thursday hits and then you just completely fall off track and you're just really struggling on how to make healthy living a part of your busy mom life? Well, I got something really amazing and it's free to share with you and I put together a three-part video series where I share three secrets on how I consistently eat healthy year-round and not only that, but these things are tried and true. I've shared them with my clients and it's worked for them. So that means more than likely it's going to work for you. So if you're interested in grabbing that three-part video series, like I said, absolutely free. Just go to www.mamasnewstrong.com forward slash three secrets. That's www.mamasnewstrong.com forward slash three secrets.